this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit. March 15th, 2020, I heart in NY. My name is Halian. I'm Veronica Rowski. We're recording from New York City, and we'll just dive right into the thing that's affecting the city the most, Alex Garland's devs. Now, I did this joke before the batteries died. <laughs> And it went off great, and it's, we're doing it again. Yeah, we're doing it again <laughs> now that the battery. Well, maybe that's why the battery died. It could not stand that the, you would say anything <laughs> negative about Alex Garland's devs. Yes, a show that you want to like. <laughs> um, no, we're going to talk about the coronavirus. The corones. Uh, we're COVID-19. In the- COVID-19. <laughs> We're in the throes of the coronavirus. It feels... I guess we'll start with thought, like, it feels in the city, maybe? Yeah. It feels odd, because, by and large, most people are having a normal time outside. Yeah. It feels like uh, whenever I sort of, like, start reading stuff online, I sort of get very stressed out about all the bad news, about the stuff that's happening. And then... I have the urge to like buy some food or something and I would you, go downstairs. You have a fully packed fridge. I have a pu- fully packed fridge and um, I go outside and it's as if nothing has happened. The streets are as crowded as they ever have. The stores have been insane. But actually, ironically, the Trader Joe's yesterday afternoon was a very mild crowd. So. I don't know if it just like people decided to chill the fuck out or like what happened. But yeah, it's like this weird dichotomy of like they tell you in the news that it's bad, 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 bad. Not that I'm doubting that it is, but like you don't really see it on the ground level. Yeah. Yeah. They are thinking about shutting down bars, restaurants, nightlife and theaters, I believe, citywide. Right. Which should help because mostly people have not heeded the warnings to not go out. Right. That's what it seems like for sure. This weekend has like been like a celebration of this weather almost. People yeah. actually been going out more if anything. I mean, that kind of tells you a lot of what uh about New York, about how people just like if it's a nice day out yep. I I would be sitting outside and eating brunch no matter like what viruses are in the air. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the government response. The government response is interesting because it like self-contradicts each other. Yeah. <laughs> at different levels, disagree about what to do at different times. Yeah, there's definitely like, I feel like we feel like three levels of it. There's like the New York City response brought to you by Bill de Blasio. Then there's like the oh, Cuomo Bill. response. Andy. And which I would argue is probably the most reasonable one. And then there's the Trump response, which I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Lackluster, chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Cuomo is trying to do all the right things, which is good. Yes. Four hours before we started recording, Andrew Cuomo wrote a letter to President Trump and published it in the New York Times. Yeah. How does that work? (laughs) I I don't know. Do you think he just like calls up the editor and reads what he wants to say out loud? Yeah. Yeah, It should be at the end of the letter. It's like dictated, not read. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I assume it's like something that he like wrote with like speed like speech writers or whatever yes, that they have. So. And I mean, I'm sure like the New York times is open for, you know, big politicians to write op-eds there. So, yeah, he wants, um, 
He wants the most interesting thing is that he wants the Army Corps of Engineers to build makeshift hospitals, sort of like what China did. Yeah. Well, I think he wants to repurpose existing, like, so dorms right. or like um, army barracks or and stuff like that to be used as uh, makeshift beds, which is helpful given the frightening statistic that he gave in that mm-hmm. op-ed that we have fewer hospital beds in america than in china which i guess is understandable but also than south korea or italy which is less understandable more tragic yeah and so we definitely need to hashtag flatten that curve <laughs> uh, because it really does seem like <laughs> if things get bad they're gonna get really bad But I think that's what I kind of like about Cuomo's approach to this is that, like, he's not, unlike Trump, he's not, like, saying, oh, this is going to blow over. He's very much like, this is as bad as this can get. And it could get, like, catastrophic. Like, let's, like, do this. There's no, like, I don't know, denial of fact or, like, you know, burying your head in the sand, which is very reassuring in sort of a time of crisis. Hopefully, like, governors of other... You know, mm-hmm. and he also urged Trump. That was another thing to like allow for more companies because I guess like it takes a long time for the FDA to approve all of those yes. tests. So to just like you know allow states to develop their own tests so that they can like test a lot more people, mm-hmm. which w- seems to be the thing that helps South Korea kind of flatten their curve. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see that profile of him in Politico that came out, I think, over the weekend? No, not over the weekend. He just sort of came off as a competent introvert. Like, he lives alone in his mansion. He has a long-term partner, but no wife. Oh, I I knew he has a daughter. Oh, yeah, he has three daughters. So, or three daughters. I I guess he might be divorced, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about that situation. But yeah, he lives alone. He goes on walks with his dog. And he doesn't like to do small talk when he goes to the Governor's Association in Mm. Washington. Like, he's supposed to hobnob and, like, shake hands and know people's names, but he doesn't. (laughs) He mostly hangs out with New York reporters and flies back home as quickly as possible. (laughs) I mean, that's Andrew Cuomo for you. I guess. And he has no aspirations to be president, it seems like. Oh, well, well. I guess we we get to... We're stuck with them for I mean, a fourth term. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of, like, ill will towards him with the whole, like, Andy Byford thing. Yeah. But it definitely seems like, you know, when it came time to this, that he, you know, he has a very competent response to that. And yeah. that, in a way, that's kind of reassuring to me that at least, you know, he's aware of the problems and, like, what needs to be done, which is good. Yes. Uh, Let's move down to the city level with de Blasio <laughs> and his administration. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I don't know how much they're actually like, I'm trying to think like what stuff he himself specifically did. And I don't know that there's much. I think the city itself like said that restaurants and bars and whatever need to have like 50% capacity. Yes, that happened. Uh, but what... Is there are there other things that you can name that they've done? I guess sanitizing the subway. Yes, I don't know if that true. was his call, given that like the MTA is like lots of videos uh, came out on the <laughs> New York Post about people spraying down the poles, spray spraying the seats, spraying bus seats, and we it was like nice, nice job, we get it. Yeah, no, that that was good, but yeah, otherwise I think it's like 
his response, like the most notable thing about his response is like his refusal to shut down the schools. Yes. Uh, In fact, the teachers union might sue him to shut down the schools. But it, it does seem like it's a tough situation here because of the problem that we've talked about in the podcast a lot, which is homelessness. There's the kids who need, you know, basically their meals and laundry and shower. That, yep. that is the only place where they get it. Also, a lot of healthcare workers send yeah. their kids to school and that's how they are able to, you know, help all the sick people right now. Yeah. So, but it seems like uh, I, I think the last thing I read is that he is trying to negotiate with the health workers union mm-hmm. to have some sort of um, child care program um, for that time being. But yeah, otherwise, I guess I don't know what it is in his power to actually do, but he hasn't been doing much. much. No. Yeah. In fact, he worked out until 1030 a.m. on Friday, I think, when everything was happening. Yeah. <laughs> were chaotic at the YMCA. Yeah, there was also like the thing of like him not wanting to cancel like the St. Patrick's Day parade. Oh my god. It's like really like, come on. Like that was that is like a gimme. <laughs> <laughs> That's a win for everyone. <laughs> right. <Regardless> of, uh, <laughs> yeah, if we had a cause to shut down the St. Patrick's Day parade. But yeah, so so I hopefully like I guess also I don't know if you know the answer to that uh, and I haven't looked into it but what do homeless kids do in the summer because schools are kind of closed in the summer too or do they go to summer school or well how? that's the thing that Tory Tory Johnson uh, speaker and city council was trying to get de Blasio to a shut down the schools and then as a way to mitigate the effects it would have on the homeless children to enact like a summer school kind of program where I guess in the summers schools are some schools remain open and have programs for their public mm-hmm. and those are maybe where those children go usually and it, probably a lot of them just don't have a place to go, which stinks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a shitty situation when the school is also, like, you know, the, basically a parent to those kids in a weird way. Yep. It was just like, we can't uncouple those things, much like we can't uncouple, like, healthcare from, like, your employer. Yeah. It's basically kind of like similar entanglement it's a real season four of the wire oh of course <laughs> uh oh boy the institutions the institutions failing. matter um uh, yeah w- what are other fun covid19 things you've we got a uh we just got recent uh, as of recording we got like a weird press conference by the commissioner of the city's commissioner uh, health, health uh, let's, I want to get the name of the department correct. Health and Human Services. This is Commissioner Penny A.B. Wardena and Mayor's Office for International Affairs holding a press conference for diplomats in the city, telling Ooh. them that the city is taking no special measures for them. <laughs> that they are effectively on their own, and they should assume that everyone in New York has the COVID-19, and you have been in contact with someone with COVID-19, and that the city has is giving up on tracing and interviewing people to figure out where, like, how the the virus spreads. 
Yeah. Immediately afterward, the mayor had to go on the uh, go on the like defensive and be like 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 tone it down a little bit. <laughs> but it does seem like the like Penny, whatever her name is, Penny A is doing a great job of telling the truth <laughs> <laughs> and spreading the message that yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's and it's probably gonna get worse. It's probably gonna get worse. Penny's Penny. I don't know, I'm just telling her by first. I can't pronounce her last name. What, what does it look like? Abby Wardena. A B E Y W A R D E N A. A B. I don't know All what. Right, cool. uh, yeah, Penny A. Penny uh, A. Like Kid A. <laughs> exactly like Kid A. Um, don't know why I'm thinking about that right now as I stare. Well, that album is sad. Too. It's a sad album too. <laughs> and she says it might take a couple months. And she's she predicts June, which you know. It's kind of on the extreme end of things, but definitely maybe it's the sort of thing. I mean, yeah, I guess people. we still we are kind of been living under this like assumption that things are gonna cool down as the weather gets hot. Yeah, but I mean, that's just a theory. Yeah. There's no guarantee of that. So. And it's sort of a theory that like a like an old man might piece together from what he knows without really looking. At it. <laughs> It feels like a, a very convenient theory. Right. But even like that theory, I think, assumes dry weather, too, which usually in New York City in the summer is very humid. Extremely humid. So I don't know whether we'll benefit. Like, we're, we don't really have arid climate. So yeah, I don't know how that's going to work. So in the meantime, I guess please don't be a dick and buy all the toilet paper. Like some people have done, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy and unnecessary. In New York, if you run out of supplies at one grocery store, like the ethnic grocery store probably has it in stock, is the advice I've been seeing on Twitter. I bet, like, you know, Chinatown grocery stores are pretty good, considering, you know, our racism as a society. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, like, go to a bodega or a hardware store. They might have toilet paper. Yeah. The open questions are now like, uh, how long will this last? Do we how how much like do we have to stay at home? Yeah, and I guess those are the two big ones. And just we just have no definitive answer from anyone. There's, it's just been very unreassuring. Yeah, these past three or four days. Well, I don't know how much you can know from these things because, like, I I mean, we talked about like off pod about this about like how long would actually. If we decided to literally like self quarantine ourselves as a nation to really stop this, like rip the band aid and just like suffer for a concentrated amount of time with yeah. the like the promise that things are gonna like be good once you're done, like how many days is that? Is that like two weeks? Cause you, but it might also be more because like some people, so like I think that's why it keeps spreading, right? Is because like people get infected by other people and then take a long time to show symptoms or they infect other people and until they know that and then like by the time they actually even if they do the right thing and self-quarantine it's like too late yep so i feel like the solution may be that we should just all get it (laughs) (laughs) all at once and see what happens i mean that's definitely very inconsiderate we should sharpen the curve (laughs) according to yeah we should sharpen the curve make it nice and tall (laughs) no but i mean obviously like i guess it would be a good solution if we actually had the hospital beds to Mm -hmm. you know to take care of all the people that would be very negatively affected by this but yep 
We do not. And the news, the rumor is that they might do a, a city shutdown of bars. Oh, I already talked about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, there, there have been so many rumors flying around. Like on Friday, I, I heard from multiple people that they were going to shut down the city completely. Like yeah. you wouldn't be able to leave your apartment, kind of completely. And that turned out to be false. The 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 NYPD had to tweet from their Twitter account that it's false, <laughs> which is insane. So I signed up for the uh, six nine two six nine two like a uh, text like newsletter uh-huh. where you can like text COVID to that number. Um, it spells out NYC NYC on like your phone. Very cool. And now I supposedly supposed to get live to di- live updates about what's happening. Have you received any updates so far? Nope. Just three perfunctory messages about how I'm subscribed now to a text chain. Okay, but nothing concrete. Nothing concrete, yeah. So I guess maybe that's like the the advice, the the official advice of the podcast is go out and text COVID. To Takes six, COVID to random numbers and see what you get. <laughs> yeah. And text Corvid to 692, 692 for the latest crow updates. <laughs> um, all right. Well, all right. what else can we talk about that's Let's, not corona related? Yeah, these are going to be distant seconds in terms of <laughs> importancies in the news. But I thought it'd be fun to talk about uh, the 2021 mayoral bids. Oh, yes. There are three clear front runners. Well, there's one clear front runner and two other people <laughs> <laughs> in this race. Uh, we should start with the big one. Which is Corey Johnson, who we've talked Corey about multiple Johnson. times yeah. in the, in, on this podcast. He sort of serves, as he is doing now in the coronavirus stuff, he sort of serves as the antidote to de Blasio. <laughs> Wherever de Blasio is either not messaging correctly or, as is usually the case, not messaging at all, Corey Johnson is there. Like he is the He's like the third paragraph in these news articles, stating yeah. like the thing that should have been said by the mayor. Mm-hmm. There's a Twitter account called Mayor de Blasio, but good, <laughs> which like tweets out alternate like news headlines for like things the mayor should be doing. Uh-huh. I feel like Corey Johnson's general approach has been to do that. So far, he's released huge policy documents. Like these Ooh, are he's Elizabeth Warrening it pretty much. Like 250 page <laughs> documents, be as successful, <laughs> <laughs> fully produced PDFs with like beautiful full color images on. Uh, homelessness. He has a homelessness reduction plan. He uh, he famously had the subway plan where he proposed the Big Apple Transit, which would oversee the buses, the mm-hmm. rails in New York, and the subways. He was front and center for the content blackout. He's front and center for the coronavirus stuff. And he also was part of like the f- efforts to fight the BQE. They were going to shut down the Brooklyn uh, Heights promenade and then build like a temporary highway over it while they repaired the BQE. Mm-hmm. People were very angry. Those people also happened to vote a lot. <laughs> As a result, the plan got shut down. Well, that plan, I don't know. I kind of agree they should have shut that down. The promenade? Oh, well, not the promenade, but oh, like the, the, the highway. highway. Yes, that's insane. Yeah. It's a crazy way to repair a highway that should just, it has six lanes and everyone on city council agrees it should be four lanes, but again, de Blasio. Yeah. It. Well. Yeah, that highway is a fun thing. I remember I saw like some potential uh, uh, plans for how like they could like change it up so it doesn't like collapse and kill us all. Yes. And one of them was like to basically build it as a tunnel underneath. That was Tory Johnson's plan. Yes. Uh, but apparently, it costs like billions of dollars to do, yep. which is crazy considering that it is just like. 
a kind of a small strip of land. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't know, but that would be kind of cool. What is his homelessness a, reduction plan? That's a great question. I was reading a little bit about it in Subway, but I don't have a lot of context on it. I think it's it's all about like uh, affordable housing. It's like very normal things. Affordable housing. I I have to read all of it to tell you more. What are the all right? Well, I guess something you can answer. What are <laughs> who are his uh, uh, adversaries or also rands? Uh, the people competing against him are one is Scott Stringer. Ooh, he's been, we've seen his name around. Yeah. Piping up about the Caroons. Scott Stranger is the city comptroller. He runs, he like, he's like the financial watchdog for the city, as well as like managing finances. He, uh, he recently made waves by announcing that the New York City Housing Authority would now be Checkbooked, which is a website that called Checkbook NYC, where you can see how different parts of the city's government spends money. And up until recently, this NYCHA has been exempt from it because it's a authority, which is one of those unique, like, institutional, like, templates that we have here, started by um, most famously Robert Moses for the Transit Authority. And he, the NYCHA was just, like, exempt from oversight for a long time, but they control... Uh, uh, 174,000 apartments, 400,000 New Yorkers lives uh, who live in those apartments, and they need $40 billion of repairs. Yeah, it seems like they're insanely incompetent. Insanely incompetent, (laughs) and while this was all happening, like, the head of the NYCHA was having, like, illegal, like, affairs with their employees. Yeah, there were, like, all these stories about, like, people just, like different employees like fucking in the offices and stuff of the NYHA. Yeah. It is like so insane that the least sexy department. (laughs) Yeah. But like the fact that we let it get this bad, like where was the oversight all these years? Yeah. We don't know. Um, so yeah, Strasbringer, another seemingly competent politician who has managed to both like walk the line of wielding power in a, a city government where it's very complicated to amass power and also like doing good stuff, like not being evil or not being ineffectual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third person, I will eat my hat if this person <laughs> wins the mayorship. It's Eric Adams, current Ooh, Brooklyn president. Yeah. He has said, among many other insane things, that he would carry a gun as mayor and then lay <laughs> off the like uh, the security detail around the Didn't mayor. Didn't he also like say something kind of like racist recently? That's entirely possible. I, I feel like I don't know if it was him. Oh, like he was like saying. Well, he said a bunch of stuff that were like anti-gentrification that also came across as kind of racist. Because he said it at the opening for LGBTQ senior like living facility. Uh-huh. Like a brand new facility. And then he was complaining about how it wasn't inclusive in the right way, <laughs> which only came off as weird. Yeah. And I think he's also like said some like anti-Chinese things about like oh, the coronavirus. God. Yeah. He's also like... a like a famed placard abuser yes which i mean is my personal pet peeve uh so yeah yeah i think he's been like just parking his car like wherever like by the (laughs) borough hall so yeah and i think like some people like oh yeah someone wanted to like box him in like box his car in and i don't know if that happened yeah i i would be delighted if that ever did (laughs) yeah he 
He's a shoot from the hip kind of person. Not really fact oriented. Literally with a gun <laughs> that he carries around. Yeah. Because he has no, like, how does he, I assume borough president is a, like an elected position, but I guess it's only voted by the people of Brooklyn. Yes. I was doing a little bit of research. It used to be an appointed position. Um, I, I think it became elected after a Supreme Court case dismantled uh, one of that part of the city charter because uh, in like 1989 they ruled that stat- because it they were all sitting on the board of estimate like board of estimate was one mayor one comptroller maybe somebody else and then the five borough presidents uh-huh. right and they had like incredible control over the city's finances like they were one of the people that Robert Moses had to sort of like convey like uh, um, convince convince and. Because Staten Island had equal proportion representation on the board as Brooklyn mm-hmm. and Manhattan, it was ruled uh, unconstitutional by the Equal Protection Clause in the 14th Amendment, <laughs> and they had to dismantle it. And now it's like an ineffectual position where you put crazy people <laughs> who might have aspirations to do something one day. But yeah, so like, what is like, what does the borough hall president or like the borough president actually do? They like, used to have an incredible amount of control over the borough's budgets. These days, they have a stipend of like $250,000 and that's it. Like their salary? It, their salary is like 100000 plus, I think. But they, they can use the 250000 to do random projects <laughs> in Brooklyn. Like I think Eric Adams has helped plant trees at some point. I don't know why that's All in right, my head. Well. <laughs> interesting okay so it's a nothing position that should not exist it's a nothing position (laughs) that should not exist and it ties into the other thing i was hoping we could talk about which is that bill de blasio seems to be like sneakily but not really trying to get his wife shirley mccray i think into that position Uh uh-huh um and so what's the what's the 401 on that what's the 401 on that I don't know. You told me that that article exists, but I have not read it yet. <laughs> I think it's the 411, maybe? 411? Yeah. Okay. 401 is like a... I don't know what that would be. That's I don't like think a, that's 401 a, is a thing. That's HTTP response yeah. unauthorized. What is the... What is the 401? Is that like uh, rerouted as 403? No. 404 is not found. I believe it's request not authorized. I could be wrong. Okay. 400 is bad request. Okay, well, someone will have to fact check us <laughs> on the HTTP stats code wiki page. Uh, but yeah, Shirley McRae is the wife of Bill de Blasio, has, has like been more or less like kind of a silent figure in the public domain until recently when she was given $850 million to launch a mental health organization called Thrive NYC. By whom? By, uh, I believe... Well, it's probably de Blasio, but it's officially by like the city budget, I think. He has that. Oh, okay. So the city allotted her that much oh, money God. To, that... to oversee this organization. So far, this is one of the things Scott, Scott Stringer came out about. Is like, what have you done with that money in the past year? And they deflected. They hardcore deflected. <laughs> they were like, Thrive NYC partners with local cultural institutions to like blah, 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 with no like real details about where the money's going. How is this like not criminal? Exactly. <laughs> How is this not criminal? Stout Stringer said that this is the f- one of the institutions he would dismantle immediately upon <laughs> be- becoming mayor, which is, to be honest, a pretty fun <laughs> plank to have on your platform. Um, yeah, they've so far released a podcast and <laughs> All right, so they built an audio studio, <laughs> recording studio. Cool. 
<laughs> yeah. I hate to break it to Sterling McCray. A podcast costs about $40. Yeah. <laughs> if you can find like a couple of old mics. Yeah. <laughs> just most. lying around. $800 million? $850 million. I heard from Star Stranger it's now a billion dollars has been allocated to. What? Just her. That's insane. Yeah. I guess she's hired a bunch of people maybe. I'm not sure. It's kind of crazy when you like dive into it. How many people does she hire? I don't know. A hundred people with like eight hundred thousand dollars. Right? It can't be more than like a dozen people that she. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> and they and they came out with a very vague, uh, like a Gowanus only program. Like they're micro targeting a part of Brooklyn to start their like cultural like outreach with mental health care. Nothing concrete. Nothing concrete has come out of it. This is insane. Okay, now I will need to read this article. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had more like specific details, but I think the whole thing with Thrive NYC is that it just has no specific details. <laughs> Everyone's saying it's like just a way for her to boost her campaign for the Brooklyn Borough president, which again doesn't need boosting because <laughs> That position has less money available than she's been allocated. <laughs> this is like the equivalent of like a very rich kid, like someone like a parent of a very rich kid sending them to like a wine like class in like France or something like that to get extra credits. Yes. When they really don't need it because they're crazy rich and they're going to get into college anyway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I have some more details here from the New York Post. They released a report saying that 89% of the 150,000 New Yorkers who used their crime victim assistance program in 2019 reported, quote, feeling better after <laughs> sessions with Thrive counselors. So I guess they're like providing counselor counseling. Sure. I mean, I'm not saying the concept of like you know social outreach is not admirable but yeah. 850 million dollars when that's like all you have to show for it is that like some people are feeling better people are feeling better yeah i don't know as that's a result officials in the city i guess this is the city council i can't imagine wells is doing this uh is they're gonna reduce her budget by nine percent <laughs> 46 million dollars wow <laughs> So, right. another well, fun chapter of NYC corruption. Just, like, <laughs> money being flagrantly yeah, spent. Yeah, how is this, like, not a bigger deal? That is know. so much money. I think one of the things is that, I don't know if you've read this, but the city budget has a surplus for the first time in a while. Sure, but, like, let's uh, yeah. use it on, like, good stuff. I completely agree. I think it's a misuse of money. I think we should all be kind of angry. And I think it's illegal. I'm yeah, pretty sure it's I'm illegal. pretty sure that's like illegal. Isn't that what like the emoluments clause is all about? Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, now that we're sufficiently angry, do you want to move on to yeah. something that's making us happy? A little bit. Well, this is about the Second Avenue subway. Is that what you want me to segue oh, yeah, into? Oh, yeah, sure. I don't know if this is going to make you uh, happy. I was going to segue to like the New York moment thing. But yeah, we still have to talk about the New York City subway. We'll do a quick detour for the New York City uh, Second Avenue subway. So uh, this is a book that is by Philip Mark Plotch, who I don't know what his credentials are, but he seems like he's been following the Second Avenue subway a lot. He came out with a cool book and an op-ed and streets blog, and it details how... This $4.5 billion project, which is only four times Shirley McRae's <laughs> program, by the way, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and she has yet to build a single subway stop. She's yet to build a single subway stop. It's true. <laughs> that really is crazy. Um, <laughs> how the the Second Avenue subway just f- failed on three axes, and he pinpoints them as our unions, uh, the inability of our city to like. We ha- we are terrible at like long term project budgets, mm-hmm. which I guess makes sense. I guess the lesson we learned from Robert Moses is to like decentralize power as much as possible, which then makes it very difficult to actually do large scale infrastructure projects. And the other thing I think he pointed out was that we there's just a lot of bureaucracy, like a, like during all the Second Avenue subway stuff. One of the hardest things to do was to get materials mm-hmm. because the FTA, the Federal Transportation Administration, demanded that the materials be built from be come from America. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't even like get the cheapest materials possible to build right. the subway. Um, so yeah, those three things just add up to like a project that lasted us uh, for like decades and decades and decades. And Only has it. two tracks instead of four <laughs> tracks. And yeah. just like a lot of compromises. Yeah, we just have like three extra stops. <laughs> yeah. Four extra stops. Just three extra stops. And he points out that this is going to be like the thing that stops new subways from being built. Like this is, this like just leaves a bad memory in everyone's heads. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, like, does he actually suggest any solutions or? I think, and in this op ed, I don't think so. It's sort of like kind of a, just a, a downer of a of an essay, but yeah. he says that but uh, transit planners from other cities could read this book and take the lessons away from what we did wrong. But I wonder how much of that, like, especially for something like the materials, like you can't like bypass that, I guess, in any significant way. Yeah. So, or like you know, you can't bypass unions. Yeah. So I guess it's just like better financial planning, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. This sucks. <laughs> it definitely sucks. And also, like, one of the things he says that I thought I found interesting was so a lot of the rules and regulations we passed to expand the highway network makes it more difficult to build subways. Mm-hmm. Like, you are, you're just running into even more yellow tape. Well, so, like, we're still, red like, recovering. Red tape, sorry. I think in yellow tape, there's been a murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the one situation where yellow is worse than red. <laughs> <laughs> um, non soccer, uh, which is canceled. Uh, so yeah, just like we're still recovering from the legacy of a highway car first country. Uh, New York is experiencing that. LA is experiencing that even more. It's just like it's a thing that we all have to slowly wake up from, and it probably will take a couple generations to fix. Yeah, maybe our grandkids will get to take the Second Avenue subway yeah. all the way down Second Avenue. Yeah, maybe. Did you see that proposal to build, um, what was it, that new, like, train line? It's, like, a fantastical proposal to build a train line from Queens to Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Repurposing old tracks. Yeah. That seems like it's way doable. I read about it, like, a bunch of times over the years, and it's always, like, getting my hopes up about that. But, I mean, maybe they have the tracks, but it seems like they're not compatible with our subway tracks because they were, like, freight train tracks. Um I mean, it could be great if we can somehow make it happen, yeah. I guess. I mean, yeah, let's try all the things. <laughs> let's build an air train into... <laughs> uh, nowhere. <laughs> into nowhere, into farther in Queens. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, well, yeah, that I think wraps up the bulk of the news. It was primarily dominated by the coronavirus, and I guess some mildly interesting things are happening, uh-huh. like the the election coming up. Elections, yeah, coming up. Yeah, who's registered to vote? Yeah, we have a primary, I believe, on April twenty eighth, unless it gets moved. We do. That's that'll be exciting. And then in twenty twenty one, there will be ranked choice voting for the first time for uh, three of the city seats. That will be exciting. That will be exciting. And we'll talk about it then in our next episode. <laughs> uh, let's do our New York City moments. Yeah, you had one. I I'm had one. Am I going to steal yours by doing... No. Mine? Okay, well, recently... I mean, we could share that moment since we were both there, I Yes, suppose. we both went to a 92Y screening of The Plot Against America, uh, David Simons, at, and... Um, I always forget his co-creator, although I'm sure he's just as important. Ed Burns. Ed Burns. Uh, adaptation of the Philip Roth novel, uh, The Plot Against America, which I started reading today. Uh, yeah, I just oh, read. yeah? Philip Roth. Good writer. <laughs> I've been <laughs> sleeping on Philip Roth. I did not know about <laughs> Philip Roth. He's a fun writer, for sure. The book moves way faster than the uh, the novel. Yeah, I believe your TV one criticism too. about the episode we saw was that it's not funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> needed more laughs i believe was the verbatim review <laughs> it did need more laughs it was it took itself very seriously which you know i'm sure he's earned it after all the great tv he's made yeah i uh, mean it's a serious subject it's a serious subject i would say the book is a little lighter though it's a little funnier oh, sillier it's, it's told from like a child's perspective so it's kind of that's a fun angle to put it in the show's much different it's like more from the father's angle it seems like yeah i guess i mean though but we've we only seen, seen one episode yeah, we only seen so. one episode and then we got to see david simon talk which was great yeah i feel like he didn't get to talk as much as winona Ryder did which was unfortunate yes but not i i mean i love her but I kind of wanted David Simon. Yeah, yeah. I should have just been David Simon getting interviewed. I feel. Yeah. Like. I feel They're like, that like would be more I really liked uh, John uh, Totoro too. Oh yeah. Like he had a lot of interesting stuff to say too. He had big dad energy too. Big dad energy <laughs> on stage. Uh, well, I guess I can talk about how you're also included in this. Okay. We went to see Trump versus Bernie's oh, yeah. comedy debate. A, at a synagogue called murmur murmur uh and yeah and it was uh it's always great to see anthony and tammany who plays trump yeah just one of our old kinda, improv teachers. yeah kind of like get out of character and just you know prophesize about the apocalypse <laughs> uh which he definitely did during that show and he might not be wrong so which is sad yeah but yeah, it was a it was a fun show. I've never been to Murmur before. It was really good. The like, there's a lot of leg room, which oh I, yeah, there is. I appreciate. That's a comfortable synagogue. It is a very comfortable synagogue. Maybe we should go to synagogues more. Maybe the plot against America. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, that I think wraps up this episode of I Heart Asterisk and Why. We'll be back soon, yes, probably after the, the coronavirus stuff dies down a little bit. Yeah. But we thought we just had to get this episode out. I feel like a lot of people have questions about what's going on, and you know, we have we have it. Everyone just we have all the answers. <laughs> yeah, but like the mood on the street really is like joyous because people are excited about spring i feel like it's not captured at all by the news that yeah we watch well maybe like it will be actually like the fact that we're all so happy about the spring is yeah. actually gonna ward the virus away somehow absolutely also 
uh, just to follow up to the last episode, Michael Bloomer's campaign's over. Thank God. <laughs> what a blessing. What a mitzvah. <laughs> that guy never deserved to win. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm very happy that's over. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I did not expect, I did not remember how uncharismatic it was. Yes. Just and a dead it came man. roaring back. <laughs> Yeah, all the New York City like people like De Blasio, uh, Cuomo, Cuomo's father, like and uh, Michael Bloomer, they all have, they're all not like charismatic people really. They're all they have like weird tics. Yeah, they're like they're like they're, they're nebbishy. They're, they're like, New York. They're New Yorkers. I mean, I we, mean, Trump also has weird tics. Trump also has got weird tics. Bernie Sanders has like a yelly voice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no hair gel. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we just, uh, this is the, I think this is the podcast that we're going to wrap up now. I do want to thank like all the sources that we use for the podcast. They, they started doing this on Doughboys and I want to do this here. Oh, okay. New York Post. Uh, I read the city.com for a lot of the things. The New York Times. New York Times. New York Daily News. Gothamist. Gothamist. Uh, Nolan Hitch's Twitter account on, he's a, like a reporter for the New York Post uh, on Twitter. Um, these are all great posts. I try and retweet people on the NYC Links Twitter too, so people can follow the people directly. Um, um, yeah, nice. That's well, it. What a service. What a service. <laughs> what nice people we are. Yeah. My name's Halion. I'm Veronica Yarovsky. And we'll see you on the subway. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. <laughs>